We lost, by the way. You but you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No, there's a, this, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. We are back. Beans and gravy after a short hiatus. Bringing you some off-season content. What better way to spend your Thanksgiving break than hearing the good, the bad, and the ugly from me and Jeff's perspective. Play silly games, win silly prizes. Beans and gravy awards banquet starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Beans and Gravy, off-season edition. I know it's been a couple months. We've let the real baseball action settle in. We've seen some awards get handed out for real baseball. But now is the time to find out who were the fantasy MVPs of the Moneyball League. We're going to have the Beans and Gravy Awards Banquet. As always, I'm joined by Jeff Gravy Graves. Jeff, how are you today? Fantastic. How are you? I am excellent. Uh, we are both in t-shirt tuxedo shirts. We got dressed up for the occasion, red carpet, champagne flowing. It is time for the beans and gravy awards hey, banquet. Quick, quick question. A uh, couple days from Thanksgiving here. Who, who's your MVP of the Thanksgiving dinner table? Do you have one? In terms of person or dish? Uh, dish. Oh, it's turkey. Ugh. It, it, strongly disagree it's a, it's, stuffing yeah i well do you do, do the do you do the dry stuffing or the wet stuff stovetop bro you're yeah, supposed to invite you, me i'm supposed to invite you we have the I, setup i thought yeah chicken and stovetop at jeff's at seven yeah. chicken and stovetops yep. at jim and Sal's at eight yeah um, we gotta figure it out just, uh, yeah, and I, and I was kind of thinking about this, Jeff, you know, I mean, a lot of people, they're probably going to be giving a lot of thanks to some of these great picks they made, mm. or on the back end, when we kind of look at the, the least valuable players, maybe it's, you know, something that they'll try to get blackout drunk on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving to forget all about. So there's a, a lot of angles to take here. Plenty of fantasy turkeys to, uh, <laughs> to discuss. So... Beans and Gravy Awards Banquet. I'm going to give you the honor. We got a few categories. I think mm. we're just going to jump right into it. Why don't you Why don't you pick the first category and maybe talk about kind of how you uh, uh, chose and selected your ballot just for uh, as we get we get started on this. We're going to have a five different categories and we'll have a, a top five ballot and we'll kind of walk through and see if uh, if we mix, uh, if we match, if if there's any outliers. We'll kind of discuss it. So. You, uh, you start with the first thing that you want to talk about, which, uh, which is the first category. Do you need a drum roll? Nope. Let's just cut the chase. Let's get to our MVPs this year. And, and when I was thinking about MVPs, I was thinking about guys that weren't necessarily under a brand new con or under a contract that had been established already. I'm talking about guys that were maybe drafted that were um, in their first year, you know, of the contract at the same. So um mainly just guys that were MVPs, people that you drafted didn't necessarily expect them to be superstars or whatever it may be that you got at a pretty good deal. And I think my number one MVP in the year, $32, Shohei Otani. Hard to argue him. Uh, 32 bucks you get, uh, ace caliber pitcher, 
fantastic numbers, steals, home runs, you name it. That's my number one fantasy MVP of 2021. Yeah, I got it. I'll agree with you. I won't uh, I won't hold any more silence and, and, and any more shock and awe. He was my number one MVP, too. I mean, just as a hitter alone, uh, you're going to get a top three hitter and add in the 130 innings of, of, of pretty good pitching. I mean, there were some rough spots there. I think there was that Sunday night game where I don't know if he even recorded an out or had, you know, six or seven walks, but he, he really settled in there. And I think another thing to note too in this, Jeff, is how our league is set up. You can really utilize Shohei Otani to get his top potential, right? The day mm-hmm. that he's pitching, you can plug him into your pitching uh, uh slot uh capture those pitching stats and then the rest of the week uh you can plug him into your hitting and get all those points so you you know i think he's definitely more value i think the hitting was better than the pitching if you look at him comparing them you know side by side but the fact that he got 130 quality innings from a guy that was a top three hitter easy choice for number one for me as well yep yeah after that i went with um i mean these two guys were kind of hand in hand uh, Teoscar Hernandez and Austin Riley, both at $4. Um, I, I actually drafted Austin Riley, dropped him a couple weeks into the season, like a real fucking dipshit, uh, but unbelievable. Uh, but those two guys at $4, I mean, you look at the production of Hernandez alone, like in that loaded Blue Jays lineup, Beatles got a real steal there with him. So those were two of my other top three. And that's kind of where, and it's kind of interesting if you remember uh, Tanasker Hernandez, I believe he got COVID relatively early in the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that kind of coincided with, with Vito's and we had some, some injury issues as well too with some of the other players. But I think really when his team started getting going, he was really getting that solid production from Hernandez. And I think it kind of mimicked kind of the trajectory of his season when that guy started going, uh, his team really started to take off. Yeah, so the other two guys, I was kind of trying to think a little bit out of the box. Uh, MVPs, I mean, you could pick your top five players, but I didn't necessarily want to do that. Um, One guy that I had in my fourth spot, uh, $19 was Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, wow. Um, That might sound kind of weird to have him in there, but I just was looking at his numbers and I was like 294, 31 homers, almost 100 RBIs, uh, double-digit steals. I feel a couple of years ago, he put up those same numbers, but he was a 40 plus dollar guy. So I don't know. I thought a little bit of consideration and appreciation for the season he had uh, felt warranted. Yeah. And he was another one with the slow start and he really started getting going. You know, the Cardinals in general didn't have a great start to the season. And then they, they started racking up W's and, and he was hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, it's hitting it hard. Uh, looked like a vintage Paul Goldschmidt as a Cardinals fan. It was exciting to see that, that maybe there's a, a season or two still left in there of, of elite production, but yeah, he just really, really slow start. And then a, a monster middle uh, towards the end of the uh, middle towards the end uh, of really good production. And, you know, the final stats look uh, pretty darn elite. And the, the fifth guy I threw in here, um, kind of an afterthought in a lot of drafts, um, you kind of feel for the guy, achy balls, things like that. $3, a Mitch Hanniger, almost a 40 home run season, 100 RBIs, 110 runs, and he played like every day. Um, for somebody that, you know, at one point, I think he was kept in our league, got injured, like I said, and kind of just fell off to the side to put up those kinds of numbers. I felt he needed a little bit of recognition as well. Yeah, a, a very nice pickup, a great season for him. 
tons of pop, um, kind of unexpected. Maybe you thought that was going to happen a year or two before then. So you, you mentioned it, an afterthought and really had a solid season. Um, and one of those guys where, you know, where people were spending, you know, an Aaron Judge, a, uh, you know, keeping a George Springer, you know, he was providing similar production at mm-hmm. a fraction of the cost and just, just a really nice player, had a great season. So who, who else do you have in your top five? Who do you want to mention? Yeah, so I, I took a little bit different approach. I didn't, con, you know, confine myself to only people that were drafted. I did consider keepers in there as well, too. So a little bit different angle than you. Um, so I think it would be good that I like the, the, the approach that you took. And I'm kind of looking at the, the, the whole spectrum of the players. Obviously, people that were kept, um, you know, there's some expected value in there, but they don't always pan out as well either, right? So, I mean, the fact that they were kept and they produced – I do think that there's there's value there. So I did include them in my uh, my rankings in terms of for my MVP. I mentioned I had Shohei Otani, uh, number one. I think I'll go in reverse of, of my ballot. Uh, for my fifth spot, Jeff, I put Salvador Perez. Now, this isn't a hmm. Vandy play. I did trade for him uh, at the deadline. But if you look at his season, he was uh, a top 50 overall player when we include all hitters, all pitchers, if you want to go to the next best catcher, you have to go all the way to the 239th player, Will Smith. So a huge gap between him and the next catcher. And think think about this, Jeff, if you kind of look at their seasons on par, Salvador Perez basically produced like uh, Rafael Devers. So you, if you had Salvador Perez on your team all year, you're basically having Rafael Devers as your, your starting catcher. I think it's just, that's crazy. I think he gave you a huge advantage at the position. I personally, once I traded for him, it really gave me a, a strong spot at catcher that differentiated me from my competition on a week-to-week basis. Uh, and my team really took off. I'm not sure if I would have made the playoffs if it wasn't for having him on my team. Uh, but just in general, I imagine, you know, any league, any team that uh, the, that had Salvador Perez definitely put themselves in a good spot uh, compared to other catchers. Yeah, very good. Uh I mean, like I said, that you you haven't seen a catcher season like that. It's almost like a, a cheat code to have somebody that much better than the next closest guy in his position. And he played 161 games too mm-hmm. uh, with with the with DH and stuff. So I mean, uh, usually your catchers, if you're looking at nationally catcher, usually you're lucky to get 130 games. 120 games is a good season. Uh, you just plug and play that guy, and he he basically was hitting bombs, almost 50 bombs. Uh, a really nice player. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my fourth player um, on my MVP ballot for fantasy, I, I chose Bo Bichette. Uh, Bo Bichette had a, a really underrated season. Uh, I, I know that he was in, in kind of redraft leagues. I think people are taking him close to the third or fourth round, maybe a, a few seconds. Um, young player, you know, showed some promise, but he really put it all together and just had a, a solid five-category season almost 30 home runs, 25 stolen bases, a near 300 average, over 100 RBIs and, and runs each for those. Uh, just a contributor in all, all aspects, played 159 games, didn't get hurt. And I, I think that was definitely a player that people knew that he was good, um, but really set himself apart as being one of the best shortstops out there. Got to mention he was an $11 keep for Durst. So you're talking about a ton of value, probably produced like a $40, $50 player. Uh, on your team for $11 makes a lot of sense why, why Greg had a great regular season. 
uh, when you have a, a stalwart like that in the lineup really pacing his team. Yeah, you mentioned it too, uh, between both those guys, 600 plus at bats, having those guys in your lineup every day is huge. Uh, for my third, uh, my third place finisher in my MVP ballot, I win another Blue Jay and another uh, Durst, uh, uh, person on Durst's roster, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, mm. just, a, just a monster season. Um, tons of RBIs, tons of home runs, great average. Really reminded me of kind of like those seasons you used to see from Miguel Cabrera or a, a in prime Albert Pujols. Playing every game, you know, having solid weeks, really pacing your lineup from a fantasy perspective. Um, $15, obviously, the, the, the keeper price on him. So, I mean, he produced uh, like a $40, $50 player, played every game, just mashed. And I, I think that, uh, you know, from a real baseball perspective, he was up there in MVP votes as well, too. Really just, a, I mean, what else can you say? Just a, a monster season. Finally, kind of his potential came to fruition. I, I will note that when we kind of talk about the the process in our league, right? In those, in those seasons where things don't work out and you got to nab some keepers and take some chances. Uh, I take you back uh, over two years ago, Durst was out of the, out of the playoff pitcher and he started making keeper deals. And this was one of the deals. And I'll be honest, when he first did the deal, you know, he gave up a ton of assets, both in stuff he wasn't going to keep and some really fringe keepers made a deal with Jensen. I think Jensen ended up keeping three players in that, uh, in that deal that he, that he made with Durst. Um, you know, Durst got the, obviously the best player, you know, when we're looking at two seasons later, uh, but he, he took a chance, thought there was potential, uh, decided he wasn't in it for that year. And really it's borne out as a, a, a championship last year and a second place finish this year. So that's what you're supposed to do in this league, right? When it's, it's not working that year, uh, you, you sell whatever pieces that you have to get the best keepers you can. And I think he just shows that that process can work out. And I think he took a chance on Vladimir Guerrero too. Cause if you remember a couple of years ago, some of the batted ball data looked good, but some of the actual production wasn't there. So, uh, you know, kudos to Craig for making that move. And uh, he's the third place finisher on my MVP ballot. Yeah. Hard to argue the results of that trade when you have a, championship the second best regular season of all time and a second place to show yeah a good 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 two-year run for him and and really a couple of players that we've already mentioned so i had i had three of durst's players on my mvp ballots so that shows why uh, he was such a beast in the regular season and then my my number two uh i have to go fernando tatis jr uh, again another keeper but 11 dollars value i had a shoulder injury so only ended up playing 130 games. But even within that 130 games he played, um, 42 bombs, 25 steals, a 282 average, uh, almost 100 RBIs and runs. Uh, just a monster season, even with a, a, a bum shoulder. Really can see that he's probably, um, if, you don't, if you don't count Shohei Otani's dual eligibility from just a hitter to hitter, if that guy plays 160 games, uh, the numbers are going to be massive. Fun player to watch. Uh, had to put him as number two. Yeah, he, he's someone that everyone coveted at the deadline. Um, all the sellers, Beatles held tight with him. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to argue. Guy's really good. <laughs> so a little bit different, a little bit different approaches to our MVP ballots. You you took keepers off the table. Uh, I thought I would include them. Uh, we both came to the same conclusion with Shohei Otani uh, being our MVP. Uh, with me having some of uh, well, been four. It was four keepers 
lined up after him. And then you had four uh, newly drafted players. So kind of a, a nice variety there. Uh, let's move to Cy Young. Jeff, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us your, your, why don't you explain your ballot uh, for your, our, our fantasy Moneyball League Cy Youngs? All right. Cy Young, uh, it, a lot of it was bang for the buck and just uh, guys that I thought were really good performers. Um, this one hurts again. My, I'll, I'll just kind of go through my, my list of five and kind of give a little talk about them all. Um, I went number one, biggest steal, I think, $1. Kevin Gausman, smartly kept by uh, Chico's Bail Bonds and then idiotically traded also by Chico's Bail Bonds before the season started. Uh, so, yeah, another one of those that hurts. Um, I had Robbie Ray in there for Beatles. Uh, what an unbelievable season he had. Uh, Corbin Burns, Dylan Cease, and Walker Buehler. Uh, Burns and Buehler both already, I believe, I think they were in their last year of their contracts. Um, I think, did O'Shea only extend him for one year? Do you have any idea off the top of your head? Uh, Burns is actually, this was his free year, so and he oh, was, okay. traded, he was traded to the uh, to DPD's team, so he will that's be right. eligible for extension this year. Huh, okay. Well, that's going to be a nice contract for somebody. But, yeah, all those guys, when you look at what – starting pitching was going for i mean some of the big name guys were going to 40 around 40 bucks and here you've got these guys at a quarter of the price or less so you know any team that had these guys had to have been satisfied with them i think all over 200 k's uh cease might have been the only one under but he had kind of limited innings um but yeah these guys almost every time you started them uh it it was going to be good for you so yeah those guys those five that was my my cy youngs for the year so go through, basis. go through them one more time, rank them again where you had them. Uh, Gausman, number one, Robbie Ray, two, Corbin Burns, number three, Dylan Cease, four, and Walker Bueller, five. And the only reason I had Bueller at number five, he could have easily been number one, but the $11 contract, a little bit different in there. Uh, the other guys I felt were more of a value. So, Yeah, we have, uh, I, I ranked very, very similar, just a little bit different ordering on it. I did have Robbie Ray number one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think with both the the cost on him, what it cost to get him, uh, the production that you got, the the K's, the innings, he was number one for me. Um, and it's just kind of a good story. Uh, I had mm-hmm. Walker. I had Walker Bueller number two. Uh, what really shocked me about him was that you know in previous seasons the Dodgers were really methodical about his innings that were being pitched, and I think a lot of people going into the season you know, didn't think he'd come close to 200 innings, both with the way that they were utilizing him. And then the, you know, the shortened season we had the prior year, Um, the fact that he went out there and pitched over 200 innings, uh, gave you elite ratios, uh, a lot of wins, stayed healthy and was just really, really dominant. Uh, I I had to put him at number two. Uh, I had Corbin Burns, number three. Um, He was a he was one of those that, that actually had compared to the other people on my list, didn't have quite as many innings. Uh, but, you know, what you were getting per inning that he that he pitched was just outstanding. Um, you know, 234 K's and 167 innings. Crazy. Sub, sub one whip, 2.43 ERA, uh, 11 wins. So, I mean, he, he probably if, if he would have pitched, you know, the full complement of games probably would have been in that that conversation for one or two. Uh, I felt like the Robbie Ray and Walker Beeler just gave a few more innings, so I had to give them the the bump on that. Um, I snuck Kevin Gosman in there at on at four. 
Um, I did make a change. Um, I did not have Zach Wheeler. I initially had him on my list. Uh, he had a great season too, um, but with the, the $18 price tag, even though I did think he had probably, uh, he pitched the most, I believe he pitched the most innings in baseball. Yep, uh, that's right. Had, and had great Ks, great ratios, uh, did, did well in the wins department as well too. So um, he's honorable mention for me, but just that price tag, not that it was a bad price tag, but when you're comparing him to the values of these guys, um, I end up bumping out. I didn't have Gosman in there and then I ended up plugging him in as my four spot. And then uh, my number five, you'll probably laugh at me. Um, and is it a homer pick? Absolutely. For a variety of different reasons. One, he was on my team. Two, he pitches for my favorite team. I got to throw Adam Wainwright in there at number five. Uh, he Crazy. Was, he was, I'm not <laughs> saying it's bad, but it's 2021. <laughs> we're talking Adam Wainwright. Crazy. Yeah, he, he was, if, if you look at Fantrax's, uh, you know, pitching statistics, he was the sixth ranked pitcher, uh, you know, through over 200 innings, 17 wins, uh, very strong ERA and whip. And I got him for a dollar, uh, you know, when everyone is pretty much complete with their drafts. So, you know, we talked about good stories. That's an amazing story. And he was honestly, I mean, I went into the draft and I, I, I invested a lot of money in pitching uh, and he ended up being the most consistent person on my team, which is just crazy. I think the dollar price tag and, you know, there was a, there was a few shaky starts in there, but really you could, you could manage it and saying, okay, you know, I don't really want to have, pitch him against the Dodgers, but the NL central was relatively weak this year. So he kind of feasted off that and he was just a really good asset for me. And uh, I had to put him at number five. Yeah. The, um, one thing we bring up, the, the the big milestone used to be the 200-inning pitcher. There was only four of them this last year. And Wheeler, Beeler, Wainwright, and one other guy who probably would have been my number six choice would have been Sandy Alcantara. Um, he's another guy that I had just missed it. You talk about over 200 Ks and 200 innings. It's just not something you see that much anymore. So all those guys could be considered MVP. The Wainwright thing, like I said, I can't argue. ERA right around three pretty low whip 1.06 I think and the innings man just somebody you know is not going to get rocked and and you can trot him out there worked out well for you yeah I think I had um uh Alcantara and uh Wheeler were on my list as well as Julio Urias uh, another nice season for him um uh, kind of unexpected kind of same thing with Walker mm -hmm. Wheeler weren't sure where the innings were going to be uh but he pitched great too and it kind of you, you mentioned those pitchers you know, Wheeler and Urias, both on Grant's team, uh, I think they kind of help pace his team and help him get into the playoffs. Uh, two really, really nice pieces that weren't super cheap, but definitely worth the dollar amount that they were kept for or auctioned for. Sorry, you were yeah. auctioned. So, as you know, you can't have good without the bad. Comedy needs tragedy, things <laughs> like that. We've got to talk about some of the bad stuff here. Um, so I'll, I'll start with my LVPs, offensive players um, that were just real kicks in the sack for people. Um, I'm going to start with, you know, one guy, my number one worst contract, Cody Bellinger, 50 bucks. Guy was either hurt, was he not? Like you couldn't ever really get rid of him. He would play. I mean, just a horrible spot to be in with a guy that you spend $50 on. So Cody Bellinger, you win my award for least valuable player of 2021. Who'd you have I, uh, at number one? I, I agreed. I had the same player as uh, the, 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 the LVP from a hitter standpoint. Really tough season for him. 
Um, you know, I think he was one of the first players that got auctioned off and really just someone that you could count on for power in a really good lineup. But I mean, this guy hit 10 home runs and batted 165 uh, with, a fit, with a $50 salary. I, I think he's one that kind of we're I'm assuming we're going to have some very similar ones. Some of the guys that got hurt, you could probably actually argue was better. Those underperforming guys got hurt because if you if you basically started Bellinger every single game he was in there, it was probably a, a net negative on your overall team, which you just wouldn't think would happen with him in such a good lineup, the good pedigree, the amazing seasons he's had before. Um, I mean, I'll admit, I was in, I believe I was in on him. Uh, he was a player that I was targeting uh, during the auction. Uh, so just a, just a horrible season. And I think that that's part of the reason Tyler struggled as well, too. Uh, you know, when you have a $50 player doing that, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. So uh, I agreed he was my number one on the LVP list. My next two guys I'm going to bring up, it's kind of crazy because both drafted by the same team and the same team somehow managed to keep them all year and still make the playoffs with basically $90 of hot garbage sitting on his roster. Christian Yelich, Anthony Rendon, uh, two guys that you just draft to put up big numbers, both of them fighting injuries all year. Once again, kind of like Bellinger, you couldn't just toss them to the side. You couldn't cut bait with them. Um, it almost makes it harder to just keep putting them in your lineup. But, you know, I don't know how Grant did it. Both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Yelich with another $50 price tag, similar to Bellinger. However, you know, he almost, not that it was a good average, but he batted 249, so almost a 100-point difference in average compared mm -hmm. to Bellinger. Um, only hit nine home runs, did swipe nine bags. That's not what you were expecting when you paid $50 for him. Okay runs, terrible RBIs, just a, a, a really, really rough season. Um, I had Rendon as my number four. Um, going to my number three, Jeff, I, I had Marcelo Zuna. Um, he was my number five. <laughs> yeah. So for a variety of different reasons, why it was a, a tough season for him, um, mostly his fault, all of his fault. Um, however, uh, the fact that it wasn't really, you know, once he started off really slow uh, and then there was a suspension there. I think you could basically move on from him, um, which is a little bit different than, than some of the other, than, than, than a Yelich. Um, that's why I only put him at number three, but really horrible season. And, you know, depending on what shakes out with that, you might, you might not see him much uh, ever again from a baseball perspective. So really rough season, uh, a, a tough buy and um, not much else you can say on it. Um, my, I had Ozuna as fifth, uh, 33 bucks, not a, <laughs> It's not a small chunk of change to throw at somebody, but um, my number five, drafted by yours truly, traded by yours truly at a perfect time this time, Mike Trout. He is my number five biggest LVP. Um, not so much for me because I was able to get rid of him, but just he's, he's coming back in August. He's coming back in September. The guy never came back. It just, you know, that's just devastating to a team. Like I know uh, Jensen, I think, gave me a pretty good amount for Trout, thinking I'm in a good spot. This guy will work out for me in the playoffs. $61, that's a lot on your cap, and just bit him in the ass. So, yeah, Trout's my number five. Yeah, I think I think this is one where context matters as well, too. And I think that you describing it, thinking he was going to come back. I mean, he's a gamer. Seems like he really loves to play baseball, uh, even though the Angels, the Angels were kind of in it. But I mean, it was a, a relative long shot. 
Um, but you thought that he would come back at some point. So the fact there was just the stringing along, uh, you know, yes, he played, you know, he played about a fifth of a season and gave you elite production there. Uh, so you were able to, you were able to bank that, but the cost that it, the cost to get those stats, you know, it's one thing if you pay $60 for Trout and he plays 130, 140 games, you can manage that. Um, but the fact that he only played 36 games and then there was this kind of this, you had to keep him on your roster, but you couldn't really do much with it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of value there because again, he was hurt. Um, it made him a tough buy. I didn't have Trout on there. Uh, and the more as I talked through it, I probably should have, but I ended up throwing Lindor on there for my fifth one. Mm. Um, not a good season. Um, you know, there, there was, there was, uh, there's an injury in there as well too. Um, but just a rough season for him. Uh, and this might just be more of kind of a, a personal recency bias that I have, but a really tough season for me to have him on his numbers were significantly better than the other people on this list. Um, but he really just hamstrung my team uh, from a, a performance standpoint. And I, I had to throw him on there, but probably now as I'm talking about, it, I probably should add trout number five. Um, but just for talking points, I did throw Lindor on there in my initial ballot. Uh, so he's my number five on the LVP list. Imagine being the Mets, like <laughs> being on the hook for all that money with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another aspect to it that, I mean, all these guys, you know, both Rendon and Yelich have long deals. I'm not sure if Bellinger re-signed and I don't think Ozuna's was uh, terribly long. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough way to start your career in New York to have a underperforming season, get hurt. He did bounce back a little bit uh, towards the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes this year. Um, but rough season. One, one, one thing I want to point out with our LVPs, a lot of big money guys in there. When I'm looking at how Fantrax ranks all their offensive players in the top 40, there's only four guys that cost more than 40 bucks. And we've got four of them listed here as well as busts. So not always the best players end up being the ones with the big contract. So next yeah, year, let me spend all my money on 40 plus dollar guys. And Oh, wait, you did that this year. Never mind. <laughs> Well, and there was, you know, even Acuna uh, yep. was, was playing great, but uh, you know, you lost his season as well too. Don't I know um, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely felt the pain on that. So that's the, that's the gamble with these, these players with the, the high salaries, you're, you're allocating a chunk of your dollars. And then sometimes it's hard to, from a contingency standpoint, move off those salaries because one, you need the production if you're in and you're in the running, and two, there's not a lot of trade value that anyone's going to take if, if there's a lot, there's a lot of clouded around if they're coming back or and the Cooney is not coming back. So, um, yeah, definitely some some tough injuries, some tough performances for some of the, the more expensive players in the league. Um, so should we go to our Cy Yuck? Yes, winners? yes. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know. We kind of talked about this a little bit before. I have Bauer as my number one, $35 guy. Um, but like you, you mentioned to me, at least you were able to cut bait with them. So I'm going to have them in my top five, but I don't know either way. Like I, I get what you're saying, but I'll, I'll just go through mine. I, I had Bauer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Chris Paddock, and Kyle Hendricks. Um, once again, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at Grant again with Patrick Corbin and Chris Paddock, $38, add that to his $90. Hot guard. How did this team make the playoffs? This doesn't add up. 
Well, I do believe just just for context, I do believe that uh, Vitals is the one that drafted Paddock. And I don't know if he dropped oh, okay. him and Grant picked okay. him up, or if there was a trade there. I can't remember a trade, but um, Grant didn't initially have him on his team. Um, I'm pretty sure on that. So uh, the one name I mentioned that I, I feel compelled to talk about is Kyle Hendricks. Um, one thing that everyone has always banked on with Kyle Hendricks is his, uh, oh, he never gets rocked. He never, you know, you're never going to get blown up by a Kyle Hendricks. That son of a bitch this year, as soon as I got him, I think he had maybe five starts where he gave up like eight or more runs. I, I never seen anything like it. So Kyle Hendricks, you can go to hell. I don't care what our Virginia listeners our German listeners think about it straight to hell with you, Hendricks. Yeah. Our, our, our lists were very, very similar. Um, I had, uh, I had Strasburg as my number one. Um, that's just, uh, I believe Derek purchased, uh, that contract in the, in the, on draft night, $20 contract, 20 innings, uh, not very good. 20 innings got hurt. Um, you know, that's a sunken cost and someone that, always has that injury tag that you're worried about, but usually you feel like you're going to get good production. And then, you know, there, there's going to be a, a potential injury that you can kind of work around um, just really a, a wasted roster spot and allocation for him this year, tough season for him. Um, for my, for my number two, I know you had, you had Patrick Corbin on your list uh, as well. Um, mm-hmm. I plugged him as I plugged him as my number two uh, $18 cost on that. And he was one of the guys I considered at number one, just because if you pitched him every single time that he went out there, he just destroyed ratios, 580 ERA, 1.46 whip, um, you know, only 140 Ks and 170 innings and, and didn't even get you double digit wins. Just a brutal, brutal season. I think I went back and I checked uh, of, of the six months he pitched three of the months he had an ERA over seven in those months. And I think his, his top, uh, his top month uh, was something like a 4.8 ERA. So one of those guys that uh, just didn't get it together, maybe sprinkled in a decent start here and there. But um, if you pitched him, uh, you, you probably had some, some pretty rough ratios. Uh, just really blew up. Um, one more thing before we get out of the Cy Yuck here. Uh, we talked about the 200 innings, 200 Ks. Only one pitcher this year had given up 200 hits any idea who it is gave up 200 hits yes well i'll I'll guess patrick corbin no it was that son of a bitch kyle hendricks (laughs) (laughs) unbelievable season never again well and that's where you know his his control usually doesn't walk a lot of people but that doesn't help if you're giving up uh 200 hits in a season as well too so yeah you you mentioned it a hallmark of him is just consistency and and you got it this year but uh not the consistency you're looking for. <laughs> All right. So what was then, our last category? Oh no. Did you have more to go? I'm sorry. Yeah. I threw, um, I was from the time that we, we, we did talk about this category uh, in, in advance. I did have Luis Castillo on there. Um, and again, that's probably initially just kind of the, the torment that he put me through uh, the first month and a half, two months of the season. Just a brutal, brutal start. Um, and it, it did put me in a significant hole. But looking at, you know, the other guys on this list, I ended up pulling him out there because 
you know, towards the middle and the end of the season, he did become an asset, someone that I could usually count on. I was a little bit more hesitant to start him in some of those tougher matchups, but, but he did turn it around. Um, so I had to kind of, I had to take him off there. Uh, I threw Denelson Lamette on there. Um, mm. I, I subbed him out. Uh, another guy that tons of potential had a great season uh, last year. And then it just kind of fell flat. Lots of injuries. Same thing with uh, he, instead of having, you know, Strasburg, a season ending injury, uh, you know, he was just always hurt, always going back to the minors to kind of, uh, you know, try to, to, to get stretched back out. And then it just didn't work out. So another sunken cost type of guy kind of expecting a lot more. So I threw him on there as my number five. Yeah. He was uh, one of those very hyped up guys uh, coming into the year, like big breakout, that kind of thing. So yeah, good choice. Okay, so let's move to our final category. And this was our, our top pickups category. Um, you know, this was kind of guys that we thought were some good values. I think both of us generally looked towards people that were um, dropped at some point or not drafted at all. Um, I, I, I know that there might be one on here that, that was drafted, but uh, on my list at least. But this is just mostly kind of those guys that – didn't get drafted. So there wasn't a lot of hype around them uh, or they were very, very cheap and ended up turning in really, really good season. So why don't you go ahead and give us your ballot for our, our top pickups from uh, Moneyball this year? Yeah. So I, I kind of based mine on the same thing you did either free agent pickups or super dirt cheap guys that were drafted, then later picked up ad drops. Um, number one, I remember passing up on this guy for a couple of weeks in a row, Cedric Mullins. Holy cow. I don't know where that guy came from. Uh, I remember hearing him hyped up on the CBS podcast. Oh, he stopped switch hit and he's only hitting from one side now and puts up a 30, 30 season. Like unbelievable. So yeah, only, Mullins was my number one. And I, I had him as my number one as well too. I believe the only 30, 30 season um, in, yeah. uh, in Moneyball and or in baseball, sorry. And the fact that he was just a pickup. Um, and not I, a ton- I don't think he got picked up to like week seven or eight probably. I think that's I think that's fair because I think I remember looking at him too. Um, didn't pull the trigger. Beatles did. Uh, you know, now has a nice asset, probably a keeper contract for him. Not a ton of RBIs as a leadoff hitter, but I mean, I think you see the potential there with you know the ability to hit 290, you know, hit 30 bombs, uh, steal 30 bags. Uh, that's a nice asset to have. And and Baltimore, a, a, a tough team, but I mean, you got to think at some point they'll start putting it together. And if they, there's any lineup builders around him, uh, I think his production will only get better if he can, you know, kind of keep it up. So my number one as well, too. We're in, in sync there. Yeah. So uh, number two guy I went was uh, somebody who ended up getting, I mean, talk about an afterthought, talk about a guy that was on waivers, uh, ended up with four first place MVP votes, Brandon Crawford. Um, I had him as my number two uh, biggest steal. And right behind him, I had another guy that was an afterthought who will be kept. I'm stating it here first. First keeper announced, Joseph, Daniel, Vado, $2, Chico's Bail Bonds. What a steal. We all know that Terry went on seven straight games with a home run. Uh, just single-handedly just wrecking teams. Um, that's two, two more, my number two and three best steals of 2021. Um, why don't you complete your list and then I'll go through and, and we'll see if we have any, uh, the same players and then we'll discuss a little bit more. Um, Jorge Polanco 
was number four on my list. Um, Jake mentioned him when he had the guest spot on here as being somebody that uh, really came through for him down the stretch. Uh, so I thought he was a heck of a pickup. And then I also had to throw in uh, Adam Duvall, um, just a classic power hitter, has haunted me for years in this league. Kyle, you know a thing or two about that. Um, <laughs> but picked up off the scrap heap, putting up big numbers as soon as he left the Marlins to the Braves. Um, he was another guy I wanted to make sure to put in there. So he was my number five. Yeah, we had a, we had a little bit differing views on this. Um, I had Jorge Polanco as my number two. Um, I would have to think the person that initially drafted them would have to be a, a borderline fantasy genius, right? Why um, again are we hosting this podcast? Yeah, yeah. These guys go? yeah, that would be me. And, you know, I was looking for a sec- second baseman the entire season as well, too. So that really added the cherry on top there. Um, really tough start to the season. And Jake mentioned it. He picked them up and his team started to take off. Uh, and he's going to be fitted with a, a Moneyball championship ring. Just had a great season. Um, I, I tried moving him in the middle of the year uh, to, to a lot of people. I uh, think to, to me was one of them. <laughs> yeah, to no avail, right? And there wasn't, a, there wasn't a huge cost on it. I think I offered him to Vitals when, um, when Tatis got hurt because he is shortstop eligible, second base and shortstop eligible. And the numbers just didn't look great. And then 207 in April, 253 in May. 290, 327, June, July. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, it wasn't like I had a, a Ozzy Albies or Jose Otuve at my second baseman. I had uh, Ty France there who didn't have a terrible year. And, and mm-hmm. at the time where I had to pick which one I was going to drop, Ty France was looking a little bit better, but that one haunted me and it was brutal watching, you know, we look at the, you know, the box scores and you see him, you know, swiping bags and, and hitting bombs and, uh, you know, my second base was, was pretty brutal. So that one hurt a little bit. Uh, I had, I had quite a few pitchers on the, to the back end of my list. Um, my number three, I put Freddie Peralta on there. Um, mm. that was, that was a player, I believe Jake picked him up on that first waiver wire. Um, before even the season started, he didn't draft him, but he picked him up off the waiver wire, uh, for $6, you know, basically netted him a top 20, top 25 pitcher, uh, there was a little bit of innings concerns. I did kind of hold him back a couple times, but, you know, just to, to, to basically use waiver wire dollars to get a, a number one or, or worst case number two starting pitcher. I think that was a huge pickup uh, for my number four. Um, I threw Carlos Rodon on there. Now, that was a player that I picked up. I'm kicking myself because I meant to pick him up the, the night before or the week before he was slated to pitch for a dollar. He goes out there and throws a gym. I was in really desperate need of pitching. So I did throw $11 on him, but a great return for me. Um, did did have uh, some injuries towards the end of the year, some some arm fatigue. So I uh, didn't pitch in some meaningful games when I needed him to, but probably wouldn't have gotten to the playoffs without him. He was great through a no-hitter, um, just great stats across the board. Uh, so I, I thought that that was with, with where some of the pitching that we talked about, some of the Cy Yuck, um, the fact that I was able to uh, pick him up off the waiver wire and, and get a, a nice number two pitcher, um, you know, really, really saved my season. Mm-hmm. And then for the for the fifth person I put on there, Trevor Rogers. I threw Trevor Rogers on there, uh, Florida Marlins pitcher. Uh, had a really, really nice year. I, I believe they did pull him back as well, too. So I think he only got to about 150 innings. But 
uh, tons of K's uh, end up being involved in, I think, two keeper deals. I think yep. you, I think uh, you picked them up and then you flipped them back to, I think you picked them up from Jensen uh, and then towards the deadline, you, you flipped them over to Shaw. So I think Correct. Shaw for $3, Shaw is a nice building block uh, from a, a pitching standpoint uh, and just did a really good job. I, I agree with all the hitters that you mentioned in your list as well too. Um, with just the state of pitching, uh, I, I thought it was prudent for me to kind of have uh, those final three spots for some really nice pitchers that people picked up. Yeah, and before anyone in the comments section or anything decides to uh, poke fun at us or whatever for some screw-ups, for whatever reason, our league page has gone down. It no longer has the um, like free agent pickups and things like that on there for us to go back and reference, so I just wanted to point that out. So as the awards banquet starts to uh, slow down, I think we had two, or sorry, three unanimous people. We had our top pickup, both of us selected Cedric Mullins. Uh, for our least valuable player, we both had Cody Bellinger. So they get the, uh, they get the award. And then our MVP, we both had Shohei Otani uh, as our MVP. Um, for our Cy Youngs, I believe you had Kevin Gossman as your number one. Uh, mm -hmm. I selected Robbie Ray. And then for Cy Yuck, uh, I selected Steven Strasburg. Uh, you had Trevor Bauer on there. I'm not going to sure if you're going to amend that or not. Um, but I can. Strasburg was my number one as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations, guys, on uh, both for your, your good and your bad. Uh, you've gotten some hardware from the Veans and Gravy Awards Banquet. Um, yep. Directly from Margie Plastics? Yes, Margie's Plastics, uh, Margie's Trophies and Plastics, uh, located in Clinton, Iowa, will be, I don't know, are we going plaques? Are we going, are we going like the old school, like Little League trophy? What do you think we should? Um, I like medals. We'll go medals. Medals? <laughs> that way yeah. they can wear them. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll get those out to all the rightful recipients uh, in due time. So... Jeff, so we had our awards banquet. It was interesting. I think we had a, we were lock and step on a lot of that. There's a few different variations on there, but I think in general, we both kind of selected a lot of the same names. So I think that probably the majority of the league would feel the, uh, the same about kind of those selections. I, I got to shake things up, Jeff. I just mm. got to do it. So it's the off season, right? We're, we're looking is. for content. content. So Something I was thinking about is we, we've been playing uh, our, our league now. Is this the 13th or 14th year? Uh, so let me think. I won it 13 years ago. So this will be our 14th year. Yeah. Yep. So we've been we've been doing this for 14 years. Very, very large sample size of, of performance. We did a little bit of manager rating um, a couple podcasts back. I thought it'd be fun to look at the performance of our teams, our team managers uh, over that, that sample size. Grant will have a little bit shorter one since he joined the league a little bit later, but I thought it'd be fun to compare them to actual baseball teams performances during that same time frame. Okay. Uh, so just for context, there are a few that I strayed away where maybe they had a, a win uh, a year or two before that, because it didn't, it didn't quite sync up, but kind of think about how major league teams have played since we've been playing fantasy baseball uh, together. So that's kind of what I went with. Um, okay. So here's the list. Do, do I, do I give you a, a comment after each one? How are we doing? I, I, I think you better. I think okay. you better. Okay. 
So what's interesting is, Jeff, if you kind of look at this last 13, 14 years, uh, there's only technically been two teams, actual Major League Baseball teams, that have won multiple championships, the hmm. Red Sox and the Giants. Uh, each of them have three uh, during that time frame. So I felt like I had to reserve those spots for our two managers that have won the most. So the first one that I selected was Jake. Jake, uh, I'm going to match him up with the Red Sox. So why did I do that? I, I feel like Jake, if you look at the Red Sox, uh, they've been probably one of the most consistent franchises. Jake's actually won four titles, so I don't have a I don't have a true contemporary to uh, to match him up with an actual baseball. Um, but I feel like the Red Sox have been a dominant team. Uh, you know, lots of division titles, lots of wins, and lots of championships. So I, I thought with Jake's kind of run during this time frame, he's won kind of earlier, and he's also won lately. I think that matches up with the Red Sox. So I decided to uh, to give uh, Jake his comparison team, the Red Sox. What do you think about that? Uh, makes perfect sense to me. Uh, both love Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline. Both have all these championships. Yeah, uh, I know he's been referenced as the Green Monster from time to time. Uh, so yeah, this adds up. All right. So Jake, the Red Sox. Um, I mentioned it. There was another another MLB team that has won three titles. It was the Giants. And if you remember, the Giants won three titles in, in uh, uh, odd years uh, from a, a number standpoint. So I thought that was a good comparison for Durst. If you kind of think about the Giants, right? They kind of had that that stretch where they did really good. It doesn't quite match up to kind of Durst's performance because I feel like Durst has been more consistent overall than the Giants have in actual baseball but the three titles match up perfectly with Durst's three titles. Um, and I feel like Durst has kind of won those in kind of a, a little bit shorter time period than Jake, kind of similar to the Giants won that three titles in that short period of time compared to the Red Sox with some wins both early and now. So I thought that was a good comparison as well as I have to imagine when I think of Greg Durst, if he was to come back as any baseball person, I would think that Bruce Bochy would be up on his list, have a power mustache, crush lung darts, you know, things I don't think Greg does. Maybe Greg could grow a mustache. I don't know, but not a bochy level mustache. So if I, he could, I think he, he would. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this, this also adds up. I like it. So Gregory Durst, you are the San Francisco Giants. Oh, and on top of it too, this season, right? The Giants had uh, the best record in baseball. Durst had the best record in baseball in our league, uh, but ultimately didn't bring home the crown. So I thought there was some, some decent comparisons there. Okay. Yeah. So those two were the, I think those two were by far the easiest in, in, in terms of comparisons. Um, my next team. So Brendan, 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 Brendan. So Brendan, my comparison team for him is the Rays. And here's why. Okay. So the Rays, no titles. Brendan, no titles. Brendan has his name on the trophy, but has never won the, the, the auction Moneyball League, 14-team league that we so, we so love. Yep, we um, all acknowledge that. Yes, except the person that did the trophy. <laughs> um, so Brendan, he kind of reminds me of the Rays, right? Brendan does some off things. Not, not that they're, they're always they're right <laughs> or wrong, but he's always willing to try new things similar to the Rays. I mean, think about this year in the playoffs where he, he dropped his three closers uh, midweek. Uh, he just does unorthodox things. It always seems to usually work out. He's always very competitive. The Rays have been you know, pretty competitive during this time timeframe. Um, 
as well as Brennan just just always seems like he's he's willing to try some unconventional things. So my comparison, love, comparison love young prospects. Loves you. Like, remember, I think he made the statement the one year, I'm not drafting anyone above 26 years old or something like that. Also very similar to the race stockpiling of young talent. Yeah. So I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought that was a good comparison one. Yeah. So my next one, this might be a little bit controversial. Lucky for us. He's too busy to ever listen to this. Uh, Derek. <laughs> so Derek, I, I went with the Phillies. Okay. Huh. Now, that might seem a little bit weird because I would say probably the last five or six years, the Phillies haven't been, been great. And I'm not saying, I think Derek's fantasy team has performed better than the actual Phillies team. But I think that the, the time period tracks really well. If you think about the Phillies in the early part of when we started playing this, they had that, that year that they won a world series. Uh, they mm-hmm. got to another world series and then they had a really good team in 2011. That was probably the world series favorite uh, that got knocked off by the Cardinals. So they had that kind of three, four year stretch where they're very, very dominant. And I think that really tracks well with, with, with Derek being one of the top teams early. He's been very consistent. Um, besides this year, he had a little bit rough of a year, but for the most part, he's normally very consistent. I also thought that the Phillies was a good comparison because you think about that Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, kind of that core that they had. It kind of reminds me, if you remember, Derek had that Dustin Pedroia, Joey Votto, Adrian Beltre. He kind of had that that two or three year window with those guys that uh, they were a little bit undervalued. He was able to keep them and and they performed really well for him. So I, I thought that was a good comparison. Again, the the kind of the the middle to end years, not great. The Phillies had not that they weren't trying, but it was the performance didn't really match it, but I would definitely say Derek's trajectory in the league. He's one of the top teams. And then some of the other teams started catching back up. So I thought that tracked well with the Phillies. Sure. No, that, that adds up. That makes sense to All right. Jeffrey Ryan. Ah, this one pained me a little bit. Um, <laughs> Cardinals? But- no, this one, oh. this this one, this one pained me a little bit, and, and not because of the Cardinals, but uh, I end up going with the Yankees for you. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And here's why. So, Yankees always one of those teams that are going for it. I think that kind of matches matches well with you. There's an expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that tracks well with you. You have your title maybe at the beginning of kind of when we started playing this. Kind of tracks with the <laughs> Yankees. Are you laughing about that? Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> uh, as I coughed, I think I figured you were going to go with peaked in the '90s. Was going to be uh, the comparison. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know when. I mean, if you can shed him, I when you actually peaked, I would be. Yeah. Uh, I'd, be willing, hit it. I'd be willing to hear that. <laughs> um, and then you, you have the. I, I feel like you're willing to spend. You know, in the auction. You know, this year you went. You went big on a couple players. It kind of had a yeah. Yankees feel to it. You don't do it every year. But you're definitely one of those one of those managers that's not willing that's that that's not willing to 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 look at a budget and say I can't afford that guy. You always go for it. I, I thought with the Yankees having one title, you having one title during the league, I thought it was a good comparison. Oh, tracks as well. Favorite player growing up, Don Manningly. Um, you might remember this. So yeah, I like it. I'm good with it. All right. So Jeffrey Ryan Graves, the Yankees. I think you might get some pushback from Jensen because I think he thinks he's the evil empire. So I'm going to move over to, I'm going to move to him. Now this one was tough for me in, in, in the way that you thought 
my comparison for, for you was going to be tough. Jensen, two titles, right? Now, as I mentioned at the top of this segment, we don't have a team that's won two titles during this time frame. We just have the Red Sox and Giants with three titles. Um, so as much as it pains me, um, I went ahead and did his comparison team as the Cardinals. So here's why. Cardinals, they won that title in 2006 and 2011. So th there's a close proximity in having two titles um, to when we've been playing fantasy baseball. I also think that the, the Cardinals are one of those teams that and it's frustrating as an actual fan of them, they're always shooting for about 90 wins. Now, I'm not saying that Jensen's purposely shooting to be just a playoff team, but, and you know, he's one of those, those teams that haven't had a bye. So that, that kind of consistently just trying to get in there and see what happens. It tracks well with the Cardinals. And I also, you know, when you think of the Cardinals, you think of Tony La Russa, right? And what did Tony La Russa and Jensen have in common? One, they both have great hair. Two, they both love animals. And three, they both love drinking and driving. So I think mm. the Car I think the Cardinals comparison's a, a good one. You know, I tend to think the Cardinals are more consistent than Jensen, but the two titles track the, the kind of methodology. And uh, you know, the last two times they've won titles, they didn't have a they weren't the, the top ranked team. They just got in there and, and kind of made some magic. What say you about that? Yes. Also, um, baseball has passed them. So. Yeah, also adds that. <laughs> All right. Ryan Shaw. So if we kind of think about Shaw, has a title, you know, mm -hmm. had a dominant team. Uh, one of those teams that, that I think he's creative in his, uh, his roster approaches sometimes. So my comparison team for Ryan Shaw was the Royals. I was going to guess that. So the Royals, right? They have a title. They had a, you know, when they've been good, they've been good. When they've been bad, it's been a little bit tough. So I thought the Royals was a good comparison. I know that may pain him being an actual Cardinals fan, comparing him to the Royals, but I thought it was a good comp. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, pretty good comp. You kept him in Missouri anyway, so he's got that going for him. Yep, so Ryan Shaw, Royals. Eric Vietles, okay. Eric Vietles. Very consistent team. Sorry. I'm I'm oh, there I'm, you go. Yeah. I'm coughing. <laughs> Very consistent team. One of those teams that we, we've kind of noted this, right? He always likes to kind of go with that balanced approach of, of not spending too much on players, right? Having mm -hmm. a good team. So I had to pick a team that, that didn't have a title, has been close, and kind of is, is budget conscious. So uh, my comparison for uh, Vito's run uh, these last few years has been uh, the, the Oakland A's, right? Mm. Oakland A's don't usually go uh, go crazy from a budget standpoint. They're creative. You know, usually they're, they're, they're in the conversation, just haven't gotten over the hump. So what do you think about that uh, comp? Um, when I think of Vito's, I think of Giant Arms, who I also think of Jason Giambi, um, also a longtime former A. So... Yes, this is good as well. All right. So DPD, DPD. So my comparison team for him was the Cleveland baseball team. Okay, here's why. So if we remember, uh, 
I think Deagle has always had some 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 really good teams on paper. And I kind of think of some of those Indians teams with with good, good, you know, good players on paper. It just didn't come together for whatever reason. You kind of had that magical run the, in actual baseball where the Cleveland team made it to the World Series, ultimately losing to the Cubs. Kind of reminds me of that year that he knocked me off and then played Durst for a title and lost 2015. that. So, yeah, 2015. So you, yeah, so you have a, a, a championship kind of get into a championship game. I thought that tracked well. And then, you know, there, there, there's some controversy around, you know, DPD right now. Uh, you know, what his ultimate future is going to be in, uh, in Moneyball League, what that's going to look like, you know. Could there be a possible change in, in, in team name? So with, mm. uh, with Cleveland moving from the Indians to the Guardians, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, of a change from a marketing perspective the uh, there in uh, Cleveland, I thought that would be a good comp. What do you think? Uh, that's perfect. I didn't even, when you mentioned Cleveland, I wasn't even thinking of the potential change of team name. So, yep, very good. Tyler, TVT. Again, one of those consistent teams. Hasn't quite gotten over the hump. Um, always kind of in the conversations. Had some rough seasons as well, too. Uh, so I had to find a team that hadn't won, but, you know, had been close, you know, maybe a few NLCSs, uh, you know, maybe some, some, some teams where they, uh, you know, had a, a one, two or a three seed. So I went with the Brewers for TVT. Okay. Mm. So when the highs are high and the lows are a little bit low, I thought that was a good comparison team also has some family uh, in, in Wisconsin. Uh, so I thought that was a good comp for them. And um you know, one of those teams where you think that it, it's going to happen for them. I would say the Brewers are on a nice trajectory. If we look at Tyler's season this year, not so good, but the keepers that he accumulated, I think Tyler will be back next year. And I think the Brewers will be pretty good next year. So that was my comp for Tyler. Yep. Never had like the best record or two in all of baseball, but always seems to be somewhat relevant like the Brewers. So, mm -hmm. so Grant, Grant, this this one this one was a little bit tough because because Grant has, you know, he has he has a smaller sample size, so I, I didn't really take that into account. I just kind of thought of the team that I thought of for Grant, and this was probably my my toughest comparison. Uh, but I went with the Mets for Grant, and and not that not that some people joke that about the Mets. I, I think the Mets are a good team because I, if you remember, you know, Grant has shown the the capacity to spend. Um, which the Mets have, and they've had some, you know, they've had some success. They, they made the the World Series where they they lost to the Royals. Uh, Grant just recently, I think he got to a championship game uh, a couple years back. So I, I think that there there's a, a a tracking aspect to it. I think you also kind of have, you know, unfortunately, Grant's a little brother in the league, not from a performance standpoint. He's just somebody's little brother. So you kind of think of the, the Mets being the little brother, maybe to the Yankees. Um, that's why I went with the Mets. Ah, so Grant being my little brother. He's the well, younger brother I've always dreamt of. No, no, no. I'm taking it literally as, yes. as you All said right. it. So no, no, I get that comparison too. All right. Three more teams. So Bopes, 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 Bopes. Uh, Bopes has had a championship. Okay. Uh, he's, he's had some, some decent teams where, uh, you know, he had a, a, a good playoff run, uh, but he's also had some, some, some lean seasons as well, too. This is the so, biggest no brainer out of any of. See, I, I think that I, I don't think you're going to, because I kind of zagged on this one. So I took a team. Cubs. That won a, he's the Cubs. 
I, 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 I'll explain my rationale. They were, they were in my mentions. I am going to take this to Chicago, but I'm going to put, put Nick's comparison team as the White Sox. Okay. Oh. I'm going to take, I, I'm, I'm, I'm zagging a little bit, just like I did with Jensen, the Cardinals win in 2006. Uh, I'm going to use that world series win they had in 2005 uh, for kind of that, that win for Bopes. If you look at the trajectory as well, too, you know, the White Sox got back this year. Bopes was back this year, made a playoff run. And uh, I think the White Sox are one of those teams that, uh, you know, they're they're willing to spend. They're willing to do what needs to happen. Uh, they're creative. And I, I think that matches up with Bopes a little bit. But there are just, unfortunately, some, some seasons that weren't so great. I thought about the Cubs, but honestly, I, I think that the Cubs run – whether if, if you're a Cubs fan, maybe a little bit disappointing. There was only one title in there. Uh, but I feel like the Cubs over the last five, six years have been very, very consistent. I don't think Nick has matched that consistency. Uh, so I had to take him down to the south side. Yeah. Um, when I think of Nick and if Nick were to try to grow a beard, it would be patchy and rough looking like Mark Burley. So I can see an association there of sorts. Yes. The, yeah, there's the, there's some some some. Quick. Quick worker like uh, Mark Burley, I've been told too. <laughs> Zing! All right. So let's talk about me. All right. So my comparison team. I went with the Astros. Here's the rationale. Uh, if you kind of think about the last few, the, the early portion of when we were playing fantasy baseball in this league, not very competitive. Uh, mm -hmm. if you think about If you think about the Astros, you know, they had that four or five year stretch where they were tanking. Now, I wasn't trying to lose. I was just losing. Uh, the Astros were trying to lose. But then things started getting a little better. Got some young talent to build around. Uh, if you kind of think about, uh, you know, the, the Trout to Mookie Betts to Jose Ramirez kind of process I went through. Tracks well. Astros have uh, they've won a title. Uh, they, they've gotten to a, a couple World Series beyond that. Uh, kind of matches up with some of my second place finishes that I have. So I, I really thought it, it, it meshed well with the Astros were tanking. I was trying to win. I just didn't win. Uh, so our win totals look kind of similar. And then there's kind of this been ascension to being a little bit more consistent. So uh, I did my comparison team as the Astros. Yeah, uh, that works too. Uh, trash cans, uh, illegal yeah. microphones in areas you shouldn't be wearing and buzzers, things like that. Uh, yeah, this all adds up to you. you know I love a good hidden buzzer. Uh, um, the classic handshake gets your hand. Yeah, what a joker! Sixty percent of the time I do it every time, right? Heard that. Uh, so it leads us to our our, our last comparison. Ooh, the, el the elder statesman, <laughs> wise beyond his years. So it's a little strange. I went with one of the newer franchises. And I did, uh, I did the Rockies for Guru, okay? And here's why. So Guru, and kind of when we were going through this uh, manager comparison, I was a little shocked as much as he's made the playoffs. Um, you know, he, he has had times where he's been competitive. He's also had some kind of miracle team. So I think of that miracle team, um, uh, this was a couple years back where, where Guru was kind of out of it, and then he, he snuck in into uh, the sixth-place matchup. I think he took Tyler's spot. This was like three or four years ago. So he kind of had a magical run. Reminded me of that, that run the Rockies had where they got in the playoffs and made it all the way to the World Series. October. Yep, where they lost to the Red Sox. Yep. Okay. I, also, I also think about, you know, in being in Denver, being in Colorado, it's a different atmosphere, right? 
Guru's playing with uh, a little bit younger uh, managers in the league. So Guru, whether you call that an advantage or a disadvantage, he has to play the game a little bit different, right? No waiver wire picks ups around four o'clock because he's eating dinner where, where we're still working. Um, you know, it's just a different atmosphere for Guru. So I went with uh, I went with the Rockies for Guru. I mean, when I'm in his presence, I get lightheaded. I feel something coming over me, uh, just like you would up in the mile high. Uh, area of Denver so yeah um, yeah that that also me I would have thought maybe Brewers for him with Milwaukee the Brat Patties the Brat Patties like that, but, yeah, yeah that was, it, it was in there but you're right a guru you know he likes a, um, he likes a good heater you know Denver you can use a few more few more options that you want to smoke potentially I, sure. I, I think it, I think it just matched well and I like the idea of you know it's, it's a unique atmosphere you know, we're, we're talking about a, a, a different uh, a different age bracket of, of player compared to the rest of the league. Uh, so, you know, when you play Guru, you got to kind of play by his rules. Similar when you go to Coors, you got to you got to play a different kind of different different brand of baseball. So um, it's, he's had it's a, a lot of sh- a lot of shares of like Matt Holiday, And I think of Matt Holiday when I think of that uh, Rockies team, too. Yeah, there, there, there's some connection points on there, too. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so those are my, my comparisons. Uh, obviously, I got your thoughts. It'll be interesting to hear on the WhatsApp what uh, if people think I'm completely off base, if they, uh, they don't like the comparisons. I think it'll be a good time uh, to hear what people think about that. So we have, uh, we have fulfilled our obligation. I know that you guys were pining for a new episode. Uh, the off season, uh, we had to come up with some new content. So we provided you with the beans and gravy first annual awards banquet. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that uh, medals from Margie's plastics and trophies will be uh, on their way to those five well-deserving recipients. And, and we uh, we're getting close to the holiday season uh, for all of our listeners out there. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great, great uh, weekend with family and friends. Uh, Jeff, I'll give you the, uh, the closing thoughts. Hey, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hopefully you'll hear from us again before the holidays. We'll give you a gift uh, in the context of a podcast. Um, Hope everyone's families are doing well. And uh, congrats to our winners. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. The ballots have been collected. The hardware handed out. First annual Veans and Gravy Awards Banquet complete. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope all of our listeners have a happy holiday. And as you are around the table with your loved ones, keep fantasy baseball on the mind. And always, always remember to keep banging.